What's up, everybody? This is Mario, and welcome back to another episode of Talking Endurance and Mastery. And today, I'm very excited to share the interview that I did recently with April Spildy. Now, April is an extremely impressive individual. She has spent 14 years in the United States Air Force. She is an Ironman certified coach, and she's somebody that I got in contact with about a year ago after she had just completed her first half Ironman. And she recently just completed Ironman Alaska. In this interview, we talk about a lot of different things, but even more than the race experience in completing Ironman Alaska, we talk about some of the life lessons that she has learned and how the military prepared her for this event. We talk about what it means to race with a grateful heart, how to actually go from having a big goal or dream in your head to taking the small, actionable, consistent steps every single day. There's going to be tons of kind of big picture ideas, but also practical tips and tricks that you can implement today. And I'm very excited to share the interview with you. So first, I'm going to roll the trailer and then we're going to get into it. Do you want to complete an endurance event and elevate all areas of your life, but you don't know where to start? Then you're in the right place. Talking Endurance and Mastery is a podcast to help you create a vision and take steps towards your goals and dreams. I'm your coach, Mario Minner. I've completed events like Ironmans and Ultramarathons, but I believe the true benefit from endurance events is how they help you become the best version of yourself. Join me as I share stories, lessons, and interview guests to help you apply endurance and mastery principles into every area of your life. Are you ready? Let's go. All right, April, welcome to the show. Hey, Mario. I am so happy to be here. Awesome. I'm super pumped, honestly, to, to dig into your story and hear about your journey and preparing and completing the Ironman. Um, you know, I think just first to kind of set this up, like, I think, you know, I'm a big believer that endurance events like this can really change your life. You know, when you set a goal, you come up with a vision, you start training, you overcome obstacles, and you succeed, it is one of those, those feelings that it, it creates that feeling of like, if I can do this, then I can do anything. And it carries over into every area of your life. And so I'm just really excited to hear uh, about your journey. And I think just the first question is, after all of the training and after this experience and crossing the finish line, like, how do you feel right now? Wow. Um, so I just want to go back to what you said about that training for an endurance event and completing something like this definitely bleeds over into other areas of your life. And for me, one thing that I, I think about now is... Uh, uh, one, I'm feeling absolutely incredible. And two, everything else that I saw or felt was an obstacle just feels so insignificant at this point. <laughs> so, and I like that perspective because it gives me, um, it encourages me that I can overcome things that I thought were in the past impossible or that were just too difficult or too hard. So for me, having done this, um, this feat that I've been working towards for the last two years, essentially for my whole life, I feel like I, I have such a confidence in myself and my abilities that it would take, it would take a lot to knock me off that mountain, if you will. <laughs> yeah. And isn't that just like one of the best feelings to just know that you can overcome any obstacle that you face? Yes. If you would have known me as a 12 year old and, and look at me at this point now, um, I'm unrecognizable. Uh, the way that I was when I was a, a, a teenager was very insecure. I had a hard time holding my head up, looking people in the eye. And now I just, I'm just so proud of what I've been able to do and how, how this has transformed my confidence in myself. Well, let's, let's kind of go back. And even like, I'm curious, like, how did you get into triathlons? And what was that the, what was that early experience like for you? So for me, I got into, the first thing I got into was cycling. Um, riding a bike is such a liberating thing. And I don't know if your listeners um, 
have felt that before that freedom but I, I hope that everyone gets the opportunity to to be able to ride a bike and just be on your own independent in a beautiful environment because it is very um empowering so for me i I got into cycling first when I was about 15, 16 years old, and I fell in love with it. And um, I didn't really get into triathlon until about two years ago. However, I used to work at a bike shop, and uh, I'd have triathletes come into the bike shop to, to talk about bikes and to look at different gear and things like that. And, and I had one come in that told me about Ironman, and I just was so blown away by anyone being able to accomplish such a, a, a feat. And I, at that point, had done a few 50-mile rides, and um, I was gearing up for my first century ride uh, when I was 18, which is a 100-mile bike ride. But uh, I just couldn't imagine what it, was, what it would be like to swim 2.4 miles, to do a 112-mile bi bike ride, and then a 26.2-mile run. And I just that people could do that in one day <laughs> just blew my mind. So for me, that's what sparked my interest as, uh, as a teenager is hearing about this event and then having it in the back of my head that, wow, if I could do that, man, that would be, I would just be so, I'd feel so amazed with my ability. So it was always there in the back of my head. Like I really, I'd see the, the M dot logo, which is the red, uh, dot with the M on it. I would see that around and be like, man, that guy or that girl, they, people get it tattooed on them. <laughs> but uh, that guy or that girl just did this incredible thing, or they have this story. There's people that do tens, 20 uh, Ironman. And I'm just like, this is a, this is so mind blowing. So for me, um, it finally, finally came about when I moved to California. Uh, I was, my husband and I are stationed, were stationed at Vandenberg Air Force Base, which is a right in on the coast of California and it's a big triathlon community. So I had put by, uh, cycling aside when I joined the military and um, didn't pick it back up until I went to Vandenberg. And then I got the crazy idea <laughs> to start trying to uh, become a triathlete. That's so cool. And so I'm, I'm curious, do you remember what was like, there was the initial spark of like, you know, seeing the triathletes coming in and thinking, oh, I want to do this someday. But what was that change or that spark that took you from thinking, I want to do this someday to, I want to sign up for my first race? Do you remember what it was? Or, you know, how did you go from that idea to actually signing up and going for it? Well, I was always kind of flirting with the idea of doing a triathlon when, um, I mean, I, like I said, I grew up cycling and then I grew into running when I joined the military. And then I, um, I wasn't a great swimmer, but I always loved water. Like I grew up in Minnesota. So we're land of 10,000 lakes, loved swimming in lakes. So for me, it was just figuring out a way to put all three together to feel confident, confident in each discipline. So I don't know exactly when I decided to do it other than I had been doing powerlifting for the last uh, five, six years um, with the Air Force Honor Guard. And I was, I was so heavily invested in strength training that I let all of my endurance fall by the wayside. So for me, it was, uh, and I, I was really burnt out on powerlifting. Like I'd hurt mm -hmm. my lower back and I just was dealing with these, these injuries, these small injuries that were just really um, causing my day-to-day -day life to be difficult. So for me, it was also a, a, a new, new thing that I could do to one, stay healthy and two, um, a, an adventure. So it was like, a okay, so I know that I'm, I'm pretty burnt out on powerlifting, but I really want to continue to move my fitness journey along. And now, now's the time. So getting involved um, in not necessarily a triathlon community at Vandenberg, but seeing people out on their bikes and out swimming. And then there was a, a, a race that was um, held at Vandenberg Air Force Base. I think that might've been what triggered me to start, but um, it was a sprint distance triathlon. And I was like, well, uh, this is easy, right? I'm not easy, but <laughs> this is something <laughs> I, I can attempt. So um, 
Yeah, it was a 400 meter swim, a, I believe is a 13 mile bike and a 5k. And I was like, okay, this is something I, I have a few months I can train for. I do have a bike and I can learn, get better at swimming, if you will. So <laughs> I think yeah. that was really what sparked it was one opportunity. It presented itself at, at Vandenberg and two, I was ready for a change. I think that's a really good takeaway because a lot of times to get the confidence to like go after a goal or a dream, you kind of need to see somebody who's just like you doing what you're, what you want to do. And I think even just starting small, like with a, a sprint triathlon, that's exactly how I started um, with triathlons is just with that sprint distance. Um, so, I mean, even just like take me back to the early, early days as like a newbie triathlete, are there any kind of beginner stories that come to mind that as you're looking back on it now, like as an Ironman, they make you laugh? Um, does anything like that come to mind? Yes, I would still say I am a newbie now. <laughs> <laughs> even after the Ironman, come on. I, I will say that I, every, every race that I've been in, I've learned something new every race. When I think back to that first sprint triathlon, first mistake I made was I did not look at the course. Mm -hmm. So when I went from the swim to the bike, I actually rode the wrong way. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. wow. I went one way and the all the other athletes went the other way. And uh, I ended up having to uh, pull out because I went so far down the wrong way. I mean, I was almost to the opposite side of the, the loop where I saw other people going the opposite way. And I was like, oh God, I went the wrong way. And to turn around and went back by that point, it was too late to really continue. So yeah, that, that was a huge beginner mistake for me. Thankfully, I did redeem myself later the, the following year. Um, I went to a, an Olympic distance triathlon in Minnesota and I learned from that mistake. I studied the course. I've studied the course from that point on for every race I've, I've done. But yeah, newbie mistakes. One, one of the mistakes I feel I keep or have made has uh, been keeping to myself instead of, and I, I get that people get nervous. Like it's very natural to be anxious or nervous before a race. But sometimes I get in so much in my own head that I wouldn't ask other individuals that or other athletes that were at the race some basic questions or or even like reach out to them to just introduce myself right so you're you're with people you're standing by them at the racks you're uh, getting ready you're prepping your 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 transition area and for me I've I've learned that just take two minutes to introduce yourself to the person on the right or left of you and that can go a really long way people overwhelmingly have been um, very kind at especially to new, newer triathletes. So if you forgot something like sunblock or body glide or your goggles, for heaven's sake, like that happens, um, people usually help each other out. And for me, like getting so much in my own head and not being feeling comfortable enough to even talk to the person next to me, um, I just feel like that was a missed opportunity because maybe they, it was their first triathlon. And it could have been that source of help. So one thing that I use now, one thing I do when I think about going to an event is uh, one goal I have is to help one person, at least one person, make their race experience better. And then whether that's an encouraging, that's amazing. Or it's, yeah, or it's giving them a piece of equipment or a piece of advice. Um, it's, it's so that I can pay that forward because there's definitely been people who've helped me <laughs> once I've gotten out of my own way. Yeah, well, I think that that's so cool because, you know, it really is a community and it's a community of people who all really believe the same thing. And when you're all on the same course together, going through the same obstacles, you have a lot of the same emotions, right? Like everybody's nervous before the race and a good way to, to deal with that is just to, to connect with the other people that are going through the same thing. And I love how you have almost used your, your beginner, like mistakes and experience as learning to help other people, because you know that somebody is likely going through that as well. Um, so I'm, I'm curious is just in terms of like a timeline, then that that first kind of story that you told of the going the, the wrong way on the course, was that just a couple of years ago, then or how long ago was that? Yeah, I believe that was in 2018. 
2019, I did my first uh, Olympic distance triathlon. So I didn't finish that sprint. So I hadn't done a triathlon at that point. Okay, that's cool. And so yeah, 2018 sprint, 2019 Olympic, and then you worked up to a half Ironman last year. Is that right? Okay. And then so, you know, now looking back on it, you're a full Ironman. So that's just kind of cool to like hear that progression in just three or four years, you go from not even knowing like what direction to go on the course to completing the full Ironman. That is so amazing. So one of the things that you, you know, you've mentioned is that even on this interview, you're, you're doing it from uh, an Air Force base and we might even hear like some jets uh, flying by, but you know, to what degree has like being in the military prepared you for, for being, you know, training for an Ironman and how has training for the Ironman even impacted your your military uh, career? Well, I love that question. Thinking about that, processing that, I would say that the military has taught me to roll with the punches. There's been a lot of times that in my career where um, I don't have control over what has happened or what, what the day brings. So I got to be able to adapt and overcome. And I will definitely say that from day one of basic training, <laughs> you are thrown into the mix of learning how to adapt and, and take what the, what, what's given to you and run with it. So for me, having that ability to stay calm under pressure, for the most part, and to um, control what I can control and, and attitude goes a long way. Uh, that's definitely a big part of what I've learned in the military is that you can definitely um, find a lot of things to complain about. But man, oh man, if you can turn that around, find the positive, your experience will be 10,000 times better. And that's really all you can control. So having that, learned that through the military, that has set me up for a lot of different things, being able to overcome different uh, difficulties and, and setbacks. Yeah, I, I love that. And I think that, you know, focusing on what you can control, and that is a huge thing that people learn when you're doing an endurance event, right? Mm-hmm. Because the, the longer you're out there on the course, the higher the chances are that something is going to go wrong. Mm-hmm. And you just kind of need to learn how to problem solve, how to focus on what you, what you can control and continue to move forward. Um, you know, what, what else comes to mind in terms of ways that even the, the Ironman process has taught you about the, the military side? Well, I want to say something real quick about what what you were just uh, referring to about being out there for a long period of time. I have so much respect for those athletes who have been out on the course 15, 16, almost 17 hours because the 17 hours is cut off. So for me, um, I was out there over 16 hours (laughs) and I just, I just remember being um, tested, just tested over and over and over and just thinking, okay, there's other people out here. There's 30 other people at least out here experiencing this with me. And I just have so much admiration and respect for those people that, that don't give up, that continue to move along, even if, they're, even if their progress is slow. So, so I wanted to say that first, but when I think about what training for an Ironman has given to me as it relates to my military um, career and experience, I would definitely say that it has given me a sense of what one pride in what I've done and two, that I can help other people overcome obstacles. So mm-hmm. it's not so much that I have to relate it back to completing an Ironman, but I can, I feel I can relate to one, definitely the underdog. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then two, um, I can relate to people that have have had self-doubt or self-limiting beliefs where they felt that they couldn't do something because yada, 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 whatever, whatever obstacle or barrier they've put upon themselves that they, they feel that, oh, that's not for me, or I can't do that because I grew up with this, or I have this, this thing. Right. And for me, I can definitely relate in that I used to feel that way. And I've told myself many, many times, like, who, who do you think you are, right? And now I just have, having gone through that experience of having this goal and training and, and, and overcoming, and like you said, problem solving, 
um, and seeing things happen, being consistent to me that, um, man, that, that has boosted my ability, my self-confidence in such a huge way. And then when I see other people going through that, it's a gift to be able to give back to them and say, listen, not going to tell you what you need to do, but I will say that you can blah, blah, blah. You can do this. You can do this. Um, that to me is the essence of this whole experience that empowering other people and making, and making sure people know that um, they don't need to rule themselves out because they have this belief and that they can't do it. Yeah. And I think that that's like exactly kind of what I was talking about at the beginning of where this is where an endurance event is really kind of different from any other experience that people have. Because when you sign up for something that's so big, initially, when you sign up, there's probably a combination of like confidence, but self doubt. And then when you actually show up day after day and you prove to yourself that you can do it, you, you do overcome a lot of those limiting beliefs. And so I'm curious for you, um, you know, we've talked about the sprint, the Olympic, a little bit of the half. When you first signed up for this Ironman, like what were some of those thoughts that were going through your head? Well, um, just to take it back, I did sign up for Ironman Tulsa when it was first announced back in 2020, but the pandemic hit. And so it was canceled and deferred to um, 2022. And at that point, my husband and I, um, I got orders to move to Alaska right after I did the half Ironman at Galveston. And there, there was just not enough for me to be able to make uh, Tulsa work. So that's essentially why I chose Galveston so I could <laughs> uh, line it up. But mm -hmm. so for me, when Ironman Alaska was announced last year, it won. It's the first time they've ever done hosted an Ironman event in Alaska. So that in and of itself was like, oh my gosh, is this really happening? Like, are they really coming here? Because if I would have if I would have chosen a different venue, I can imagine I was I would have spent probably 10 grand on everything that encompassed traveling to an Ironman venue in the lower 48 or overseas, right? So the fact that they came to Alaska, I was like, man, this is a sign. <laughs> you gotta I, do it now. Yes. And I also looking looking at our like deployment cycle and things like that, I also knew that I was probably going to get tasked to deploy uh, in the near future. So for me, it was all about timing as well. And um, the opportunity presented itself. So when, when Ironman Alaska was announced, I um, spoke to my husband and as I just told him, you know, Peter, this is, this is an opportunity. I don't know if I'm going to get another chance. Uh, and especially since it's right here in Juneau, um, it's going to be one, an epic day, just the, just the venue itself, how beautiful it is out there. It's a small, smaller venue. So there was, I believe less than a thousand athletes that actually competed. And it, it just, uh, the, the community was so welcoming. So for me, it was like, okay, this is all these great things are coming together. I need to do it. So, <laughs> um, that's what pushed me to, uh, to, register for Ironman Alaska just because one it's to say Ironman Alaska like that I was just just so cool I knew that my time I was gonna run out of time if you will so yeah and, and so when I saw the email about Ironman Alaska I was like oh my gosh this is insane I want to do it <laughs> uh, I didn't pull the trigger on it um, but I, I'm glad that that you did and so you know you, you signed up for it and you know you started training um, I am curious though, like what were some of those maybe even doubts or limiting beliefs that you had as you started training? And then how did that evolve as you, you know, put in the, the training um, leading up to race day? Well, I knew that because um, I signed up back in January, end of December, beginning of January of 2022. So it was about eight months, 32 weeks of training was what I put on my calendar. And part of me was like, okay, is this going to be enough time? Like, have I earned my stripes, if you will, to, to take this on? Like, have I done the time? Have I done the training to really feel like I can successfully complete this distance? 
part of me was like, well, I don't know. I don't know if you have April, like, yeah, you did Galveston and you did make the, the cutoff time, but it was definitely a challenge, a really hard, hard race. And that was not even, I mean, that was flat. That was a flat course. So yeah. looking, looking at Ironman Alaska and the climbing, the gaining elevation for just the bike alone was 5,600 feet. Like that to me, I hadn't done that kind of climbing before um kansas especially is very flat so um and then the the run course is super hilly too so it's just as hilly as the bike so for me it was like okay weighing these things uh that was that was a part of that initial hesitation as far as like had i earned the right if you will to take this on in that was i prepared enough for it to be a success and i will say that <laughs> Um, I kind of like the fact that I pulled the, I pulled the the trigger, if you will, without having all the information. Yeah. Like, I understood that I'm going to learn along the way. That's part of the process. Part of the journey is learning along the way and then figuring, figuring out what you need to do. So for me, it was like a, almost like a needed sense of urgency, a kick in the butt, if you will, to, to get me to, to take that next step. And once I, figured it out like once I once I signed up it was game on like I, I felt all in I was all in so that was the benefit of, of making that decision yeah and I think sometimes it's almost better to be naive in <laughs> yes. situations like this with an endurance event because it's like if you knew how hard it would be you would know you maybe do it? To, to get up yeah to get up early you know on the weekends or during the week or to to push through the pain exactly like would you do it you know and it's like so I, I think that that's it's almost better in, in some scenarios so talk to me a little bit about what that training looked like you know for you on a you know on a weekly basis and were there any moments from training that really built up your confidence leading up to race day or even like created more doubt leading into race day oh I love that that's good um so I knew that I had 32 weeks to train and I actually, not to like give like a sponsored plug or anything like that, for real, but <laughs> I, I came into TriDot training. They offered their preseason plan and it was uh, an opportunity for me to get, uh, I believe it was three months of free training. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to do it. <laughs> and nice. uh, yeah. And to me, that made everything very clear as far as what I needed to do to get ready for Ironman Alaska. So I literally put the, the date into my calendar and it worked reverse engineered back to my start date. And um, I, was, I was set on the training. Now, the second part of the question was um, what were some of those confidence building workouts or maybe even like kick in the gut or punch in the gut workouts. I'd say one of the confidence building ones was a few weeks back. So I, do, I did two race rehearsals one was four weeks out from the race and uh, the other was two weeks out. The four week out race rehearsal was a six hour and 10 minute bike ride. And it was a 40 minute run off the bike. And I was um, forced to do it indoors because in Alaska, we have wildfires, we have forest fires, pretty heavy smoke, which just mm -hmm. makes it um, unfortunately really dangerous to, to train outside because the air quality is so low. So I don't know if you spent a long time on a trainer indoors, but it can be pretty um, soul crushing. <laughs> oh, wow. I honestly don't know how you did that. Yeah, I don't know. I've, I've I done it. In. <laughs> and so for me, having done that, and I, I did 115 miles, I'm putting it in quotes because it's on a trainer, but uh, on the trainer uh, um, in that session. And I was really proud of myself because I didn't let anything stop me from going the entire way. I was in pain. I was definitely sick of it. Like I, there was at least two hours before the end of it. I was like, man, I'm so done with this. But, and I was just like drenched because indoors you just sweat so much. So for me, it was just like this, just constant suffering. But that was a huge confidence boost because I did finish it and I felt pretty good afterward. And then I got, and then I did my run and the run was one of the best runs I've had. Mm. I just, just everything fell into place. Usually when you do a run off the bike, your legs feel like bricks. They call it a brick workout for that reason. Mm -hmm. um, 
but my legs felt light. And I just, I was like, okay, I know this is not every day that this is going to feel like this, but man, my confidence shot through the roof after uh, having gone through that. And then the second race rehearsal I did, I did get to do it outside. I actually um, went out on the old Steve's highway, which is a pretty hilly route, very secluded, uh, beautiful, lots of wildlife and um, nature around you. And I did it without music because I wanted to have that experience because in Ironman, you don't, you're not allowed to wear headphones. You're not allowed to listen to music when you're racing. So I wanted to have that, that experience of knowing what it's like to not have some other thing distracting me from, from riding or from running. So when I did that ride, oh my gosh, it was so hilly and difficult. I, I think, you know, everything went well as far as like the nutrition and being outside and all of that, but it was a real gut check as far as the elevation piece. So I covered, it was nearly the same elevation as, as Ironman Alaska. And it was just a real reminder, if you will, of, of how difficult that day was going to be. So it was a good confidence builder, but it was also a gut check in that, man, this is going to be really tough. Like it made me feel, um, it gave me an appreciation for, and a humbling, if you will, for, for what to expect come race day. So as far as like really bad workouts or anything like that, I, I feel very fortunate and that I haven't had any, any training sessions that made me feel like I wanted to give up. And I, I think that comes back to what my coach taught me about racing with a graceful, grateful heart. And I would say that it goes down to training too. So for me, one of the things I try to do is try and find something that I can be grateful for in the moment. So if I'm, if I'm really struggling with a bike ride or I'm struggling in the pool or um, I'm just not feeling like doing anything, like there's days, you know, when you don't want to get out of bed. I just think I try to find something that I can be grateful for. And one thing is, one, one is I get to do this. I have all the equipment I need. I am able-bodied. I don't have any limitations other than what my mind is telling me. Uh, and I can overcome that. So to me, once I put it in perspective, it makes the experience so much better. And I just, it became a lifestyle at that point. And it still is like this morning, um, three days removed from the race. And I went and did a, a thousand yard, 30 minute swim. And it felt amazing. Like I just felt so good to be able to move my body again. And, and obviously I'm in recovery right now, but it just felt so good to be able to do that after such a, a hard event. And to me, that just speaks to the, the benefits that you can get from living this kind of lifestyle. So. Yeah. I, I love that. Like racing with you know, grateful, a grateful heart and even carrying that over into training and then even just carrying that over even more into your whole lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Like I, I've never heard of, of gratitude of being a lifestyle, but I, I love the, the thought of that. Um, like for me, like I, I have a, a, a gratitude journal that I use. It's the five minute journal. And every, every morning I start with three things that I'm grateful for. So I, I'm a, I'm a big believer in that as well. And so now let's get to the good stuff with the actual race. So we've talked about kind of the beginner April. We talked about training. Now, you know, walk us, walk us through what was it like, you know, from kind of the, the swim to the bike to the run. Um, walk us through race day. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, first off, I'll say that we got there a little early. So we, we got to Juno on Wednesday and my mom and my sister came out too. So if you're, oh, considering doing, yes, if you're considering doing an Ironman, I will highly, highly, highly suggest that you have your family there, um, to support you. Cause having them there was, oh man, I just, it just made that experience so much better and they loved it to me. That just makes me feel so good that they enjoyed themselves as much as I did. So yeah, so we got there early. My mom and my sister came in. They actually made posters for me that they kept the secret until the day of. And <laughs> yeah, I yeah. love that. <laughs> so yeah, I, I definitely want to say that if you can have your family there, please, please have them there. It makes, it just helps so much. But the actual day of, um, so I got up at 3 a.m. And I knew that I was going to go before my family went, but my husband and I got up together and had coffee and just kind of 
planned out the next couple steps as far as getting to the the school where you actually parked and then you took a shuttle all the way to T1, transition one. So we left the house at about 4 a.m. And I was pretty subdued, if you will. I was a little pretty nervous and I was also tired. I got probably about five hours of sleep just because the race day energy was so high, the adrenaline, like it was just going. The weather uh, at that point was pretty cold, so colder. Um, so it was, I would say like 48 degrees outside and we had what was called an atmospheric river. Have you ever heard that term before? No, can't say that I that I have. Well, I will I will add that uh, Juno is considered a temperate rainforest, which okay. I didn't know that. So one, it's gorgeous there. It is so green and lush. But two, it's raining all the time. Like it's it rains multiple times throughout the day. So um, waking up to race day, I knew that it was that rain was going to be in the forecast. So I. I had pretty much packed everything that I would normally wear for training outside in the rain. So that was in the on the back of my mind, just thinking about, okay, I know this is going to be a cold, wet day. So what am I going to do when that happens where I get I get cold? So that's what was going through my mind as we were making our way to uh, T1. Peter dropped me off. I took the shuttle over. I didn't really do anything but just stay in my head. Uh, as far as listening like to music, there was music on the bus and um, I knew that I, I wanted to have a certain song in my head all day because I know I can't listen to music. So I kept listening or repeating Tom Petty, uh, Won't Back Down. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So that was going on in my head during that part. It's just the words um, uh, and, and the feeling that that song gives me. And then got to T1 and I didn't mention this earlier, but I actually chose to race as a team Ironman Foundation athlete. And what that means is that we actually raise money for team uh, Ironman Foundation that goes directly back to the local community. So the money that I raised, um, just over $4,000, went right back into Juno and supporting that community. So That's amazing. Yeah. So the great thing about that is we get like preferred rack spots. So my, my bib number was 40, which is a really low bib number, which is really like, oh, wow. That's amazing. That's, That's elite. Yeah, look at you. Yeah, yeah. so wow. What, what did you do to get bib number 40? Like, <laughs> so yeah, anyway, um, the great thing about that is I was seated next to the Ironman Foundation ambassador, uh, Mr. Jason Massey. And he, uh, I met him a few days prior um, at, a, at a breakfast that they held for the the IMF athletes. And he just is such a gentle, sweet, uh, welcoming person. The best person I could have run into to help me on that day. But he was actually racked right next to me. And I had a look of trepidation on my face and he saw it. And thankfully, like he, I think he just understood what I was feeling. He asked, you know, April, what's going on? You, you're looking nervous. And I, I was dealing with the insecurity and I, I told him, I just don't feel like I belong here. And like I said earlier, I don't know if I felt like I had put all the time in, the work in to deserve to be at this spot. And he looked at me and said, absolutely, you absolutely belong here. And you need to put that on your mind right now. And wow. to me, yeah, to me, he just cleared away all those mind demons, if you will, for me to focus on what, what was important at the moment, which is getting ready to start. And that was exactly what I needed to get my confidence back to where it needed to be. And I'm just so grateful for him. After that conversation, I got my uh, wetsuit on. I went down to the lake where the Auk Lake is where we were swimming. Uh, went down to the race start point. And that's when it was announced that the one, the water temperature had gotten down to 56 degrees because of that atmospheric river, if you will. So it was basically a, a lot of rain that they received in the last two days made the water temperature drop. So they, um, out of safety, which I think was the right call. At first I was a little bit upset, but they shortened the course to 1.2 miles. Um, so they cut it in a loop out. They also moved the race start from 6 a.m. to 6.30 so they could adjust everything, right? So 
one thing that I learned that right went right into play was control what you can control. You can control your attitude exactly. and how you to move forward, right? So I was like, okay, well, this is it. We're just gonna roll with it. And I got into my um, my swim group. And another great thing was that happened was I met another athlete, uh, Maddie, who reached out to me because he saw that I was wearing a gold cap, which the team IMF athletes were wearing. Uh, he came up to me and, and introduced himself and just said, hey, I see your team IMF and introduced, you know, that he was also a past team IMF member. We talked for like 20 minutes before the race actually started. And that, that conversation just meant a lot because it helped my, my nervousness just completely dissipate because I was focused on my conversation with Maddie. And, and uh, Maddie actually shared with me that that conversation helped uh, him to bring it down to before he uh, got in the water. So to me, that, that giving back right there was one of the ways that I felt like, okay, I can give something back to someone if they're feeling. Yeah. It's kind of what you mentioned before. It's like where everybody's feeling the same emotions. You know, it's one thing to just hold it to yourself, but to connect connect with somebody in that situation helps ease a lot of the the nerves and and the anxiety. And so I'm I'm curious. You know, you got had the curveball thrown with the swim, but once you actually got in the water, like how did how did the swim uh, go for you? Ooh, um, it was cold. <laughs> yeah, I bet. It was shocking. And I had done a few cold water swims, um, but nothing that, that cold. I definitely think I've swam in 60 degree water. It took me about three minutes to feel somewhat comfortable. I could not put my face underwater for, for a, a few lengths. And I did what's called the Tarzan drill. So I'm like right on top of the water, like looking around and uh, trying to get warm enough to be able to submerge myself. And once I did, I, I found my rhythm and it was a beautiful swim. It was so that scenery and the water itself was just gorgeous. So once I was able to acclimate and get warm enough to start getting in my, in my flow, um, to me, it was, it was unbelievable how beautiful it was. When I got to the end of it, it's interesting because the, the transition area from getting out of the lake and going to T1 where the bikes are at. It was all uphill. So oh. it was, yeah, pavement wet and they had a carpet for the athletes to go up on to get to, to the next part. And the carpet was so slick that people were falling as they were getting out of the water. No. So, <laughs> so one thing my coach um, that I told me that I really appreciated was you don't have to bolt it out of the water especially after doing a 1.2 or 2.4 mile swim you're pretty disoriented just because you're you're going from uh, horizontal to vertical it's just disorienting so for me I just in my mind I told myself listen to coach Jojo she said take your time so once I reminding myself, okay, you don't need to run through this. Plus it's all uphill, your heart rate, you need to let it come down. You're going to, you have to walk it. So once I did that, I gave myself permission to walk that, that uphill. I just, everything started to feel better. Yeah. And yeah. I was, I was feeling pretty warm in the wetsuit. So I didn't take the wetsuit off until I was right next to the changing tent because it was such a long mm -hmm. up too. But after that, I got into the changing tent and there it was packed, packed with people, with women. And I had to like wait for a minute to be able to carve out a space because it was a full change, uh, dress change. So nothing that I wore earlier was going to stay on my body. It had to all come off. I had to dry off and then I had to put on new gear. So I don't know if you've ever put on new gear after being wet, it, especially <laughs> Lycra. <laughs> a little difficult. You might need some Very. help. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and thankfully I didn't fall on my butt when I was trying to put this on, but <laughs> it took me the transition from uh swim to bike um, took me over 20 minutes. And that was the standard. That was the standard for everyone. So rushing it because, because of all the logistics, making sure yeah. that you have all of your stuff the, and that you draw the outside temperature was colder than the, the, the water temperature. So so you got through that and then yeah, once I got through that now talk to me about the bike because I know that you mentioned like how hilly it was but how was the the bike bike course for you and your experience there the bike was the hardest part of the day if you can believe that I thought 
with my background in cycling, I thought that this is going to be my most, my, my greatest strength, but it was, it was the hardest thing. And I think that had to do with um, one, it was very hilly rolling hills. So rollers are, can be technical in that if you're not cycling down them, if you're not uh, riding down them, like some people just free, um, free wheel down them and not put power behind their pedals. And then they got to climb up the, uh, the next hill that can be a huge waste of energy. So I was trying very hard to be able to cycle the entire time, keep my legs spinning and keep generating power on both the ascents and the descents, but it was still just very difficult. So even with that, even with knowing about power and, and the Watts I was trying to maintain, it was still super hard. And I think that was because I was cold from the swim. And then there were at least 20 people that got flat tires right in the first five miles. So the road in and of itself, it was a beautiful road. It was actually beautifully uh, paved, a cyclist's dream. However, there must have been something in, on the side of the road that got people. But I was fortunate in that I didn't experience a flat tire, but it definitely was in the back of my head. Like, okay, wow, there's lots and lots of people out here with flats having to stop and change flats. And there were, um, there were even people that had multiple, like Jason earlier, who I talked about, he had two flats on the first oh, loop. No. Yeah. So he had a rough day, but he did, he finished, he did fine. Uh, he did really well actually, but anyway, on the bike. So it was kind of like ups and downs as far as it was a hard course, but it was exceptionally beautiful. Like you yeah. saw Mendenhall Glacier in the background. There's all kinds of different wildlife. I saw just throughout my entire trip, I saw over 50 bald eagles. Amazing. Um, just incredible. Yes. And waterfalls and all kinds of different things. Well, I was just going to ask, because like you talked about like how hard it was and kind of the, the ups and downs. So what was it that got you through the lower moments? And like, what were you thinking about in those situations? I was thinking about people back home, one watching on the app. <laughs> so yeah. moving along and I was thinking about the fact that I knew that there were people that wanted me to succeed and and wanted wanted to see me finish this I thought about my mom and my sister and I thought about Peter waiting for me and and I, I know that they were worried about me too because I usually get like that ride I was anticipating having that done in six six and a half hours I didn't finish that ride until eight hours and 30 minutes. Wow. Yeah, it was just, that's what I'm saying. It was just such a, I don't know what it was. I, it was a wrench for sure. And to get me through those moments of, wow, this really sucks. I just kept coming back to the people that I love and that I know want me to succeed. And, and I kept coming back to what coach Jojo taught me about gratitude. That really helped. I mean, it, it's not blowing smoke. It was truly what kept me in the game, uh, not giving up because there were, you could see people leaving. Like you could see people either getting a flat and, and going and getting on the bus and being shuttled out because uh, they didn't want to continue. Or you could see people getting taken off the course because they didn't meet the cutoff time. I think that's like a really just powerful concept that you talked about there. It's like when you're doing something difficult, when you're in an endurance event or really any like big goal, whenever there's challenges coming back to like love and the people that you love can be the thing that gets you through it. And it's almost like this, this phrase that I've, I've heard before and I've used before, which is, you know, powered by endurance, but fueled by love. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's such a, a cool connection between those things where a lot of people think that when you're doing something super hard, it's like this, this like angry. dark, yeah. angry thing, but it is really, it almost like sheds like all of those different layers to where like, ultimately love is like wh what you have in those moments. So I think that that's, that's really special that you came back to that. Um, so then talk to me about the, the run after that. Oh, wow. Okay. So when I got back from the bike, one, I was, I knew I was at the back of the pack. So in the back of my mind, I was like, okay, am I, am I going to make this cutoff time, which they hadn't really announced it since they shortened swim what our cutoffs were everything got changed right so mm -hmm. I didn't know if I was still even good <laughs> at that point 
Like I didn't know if I was wow. just be, being waiting around or if they were going to come grab me and pull me off the course. Like I just was like, okay, just keep moving until they do. Just keep moving. So for me, it was about keeping my spirits up in that, okay, until they tell you no, it's a yes. You need to keep going. So mm. I had that in the back of my head. And then I also knew that I was going to see mom, Amy, and I was going to give Peter the biggest hug. So for me, I just knew I had them waiting for me for this next part. So, and I couldn't tell you, like, all right, I can tell you, like, I couldn't wait to get off of the bike. <laughs> Yeah, I <laughs> across the room like I was like so done <laughs> <laughs> so for me like and Amy actually my sister she actually told me she's like when you came through on the bike you like you looked really strong it's like I saw she's like I saw a bunch of people not even being able to stand up straight and I was like because I was ready to run <laughs> yeah I know the feeling <laughs> yeah yeah so when I came into the run I had to do another full dress change and there were way less women in the tent at that point <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm sure that's because they were mostly out on the run course. So like I said, I was at the back, but I kept my mind on it. And I was like, okay, this is going to be, I thought the run was going to be the most difficult part. So I was gearing up for the most, that being the most difficult. Turns out it was awesome. The run was just an awesome experience. And I got onto it. I gave my mom, my sister, and my husband a big hug. I, I saw their motivational posters. And then I got to, I got to work um, the, the run was difficult in that it was very hilly, but it was, like I said, it was, it was just beautiful. And at that point I knew like, until they pulled me off the course, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. Like I'm, whether I have to walk, jog or run crawl, I'm going to finish this. So it was a mixture of, of running. There were a lot of hills and, and descents. And I knew that when I, when I run down hills, my knees really get torn up and I didn't want to blow up on the run. So I, I strategically walk jogged uphill and walk jogged down. And then the, the flats is where I, I put in the, the pace that I wanted. And I saw Maddie again on the course and uh, Maddie came up to me and they were already through their first loop. And I just was like, I can't, I don't know if I'm going to make it. And Maddie was like, yeah, you're going to make it. You're going to make it. Just do what, do your strategy. And, and honestly, I just needed to hear that in such plain language that uh, as a reminder to don't defeat yourself before you even get started. So that, oh, another, yes. yeah. So that was another really good, like key person um, and point in the run that that or the race itself that that brought me back to where I needed to be and um there were moments of um running through the rainforest which was really pretty um that was very serene and there were moments where I was completely by myself so when it got really dark out on the second loop this was around like 10 10 30 at night there was nobody around and thankfully Iron Man gives you a headlamp <laughs> otherwise I couldn't I would not have been able to see a thing wow. it was it was it was a little bit scary like in that wow I had all these hundreds of people around me all day well, for the most part all day and now I'm by myself like am I still in this like there was there was feelings of fear uh as far as like is someone waiting for me to tell me that I didn't make it like so it, it I kept coming back to just keep moving forward. And thankfully, when I came around to the last um, about three miles, I had a, a person that I, I was able to talk to, John, who he, he was also in the same position as me. He was running and jogging as much as he could, but doing a lot of walking as well. And we just encouraged each other. It was his first Ironman too. And his whole family did it together. So they had already completed it. So they were all waiting for him. And um, mm. it was, yeah, it was just so, it was so good because we encouraged each other that last little bit to get to the finish line. Yeah. Well, so tell me, tell me about that. Like what, what was the, the feeling like, you know, kind of going through the red carpet, hearing them say, you know, you are an Iron Man. What was that? What was that like for you? Well, it was unlike anything I've experienced before. I could hear Mike Riley, who is what's character. He's he's known as the voice of Iron Man. He's a wonderful man, first and foremost, and a powerful ambassador for the for the sport, and just a very just decent person. 
So I could hear him calling people through and I, that just gave me so much hope that, okay, that's me. That's, it's going to be me coming up soon. So I started to have tears. Um, I started to cry and just was trying to keep it together so that I could get to the finish line, but it was happy. Like I, I felt elated. Um, so as I was coming up, I let one John go first so he could have his moment and, and, and let him run through and have his family there and everything. So I, I slowed down a little bit and then the song changed to the Beastie Boys, No Sleep Till Brooklyn. Oh, no <laughs> okay. This is what, this is, this is it. This is my moment. <laughs> and, uh, and Mike, I had met him previously through the team IMF uh, meetup later or earlier in the week. And I got to talk to him for about, for almost two hours. He's just such a good guy. And I told him, hey, Mike, when I come up, please say my name right. <laughs> and he laughed and he's like, well, let me, let me, let me get it. I was like, spill me. And he's like, oh, I would have said it that way. And I'm like, okay, well, okay, of fine. Of course, he's a professional. Come on, he's, he's not going to mess it up. Yeah. So. Uh, well, he definitely proved it. He definitely proved it. So when I came up, like, I felt like he he gave me a special shout out because one he not only said where I'm from and my, you know April Spildy you are an Iron Man but he he called out that I was United States Air Force and he just he just made it feel like this just incredible special moment for me and uh, when I came up onto the carpet like I, I just I had to put my hand over my face because I I just was like ugly crying oh. <laughs> and um but I remember what my coach told me too is that she said for your first one enjoy that finish line because you're never going to get that first time experience again don't just sprint through it like a lot of people do make sure you take the time to enjoy the moment and so um I did that I slowed down I I high-fived all the a lot of the people that were on the sides uh, cheering me on and um, when I heard him say, uh, April Spilda, you are an Iron Man, like just, just call, call came out. And then when he said United States Air Force, I pointed up at the air and I just felt like it was this magical moment. And then I came in and hugged my husband and he got to meddle me. And I just remember hugging him and, and just saying into his ear, that was so hard. And yeah. I, that's really all I could say and that I loved him um, because at that point I was so just exhausted and I fell in I fell into his arms and it it just was unbelievably great it was everything I had hoped it would be what a special what a special moment you know and it's like one of those moments and experiences that almost like makes everything worth it you know Mm -hmm. the the whole journey you know even from the first sprint to overcoming the self-doubt to all of those things that that stood in your way and then having that moment is such a special feeling so you know now as you're just reflecting back on your whole journey um what are what are some of the the top lessons that you have learned that you feel like you're gonna apply to your everyday life from training for the ironman well aside from what i've already talked about being grateful and finding ways to give back. The third thing I'd say is um, consistency over perfection. So yeah, I've learned to be extremely consistent. And just because a, a bad, you have a bad training day or you didn't, let's say you even missed a workout, doesn't mean your, your whole training plan is derailed. If anything, that it's a good reminder in that life happens and you can, you can certainly move on and continue striving towards your goal Um, but it takes you to it takes you to understand that uh, consistency is way more important than than any kind of perfection um, in this journey and it's a lifestyle so that to me those two things go hand in hand and that if I understand that I'm living the life uh, of a triathlete um, and everything that goes into that I'm not just training for an Ironman. Like I, I love this sport. I love everything to do that uh, comes with it. And I don't just have a finish line that I'm looking forward to, but I actually have a, a thing that I enjoy on a daily basis. Like that, that switch was um, huge for me to understand that. Yeah. You can miss a workout. You, it's going to be okay. Um, mm-hmm. 
the big thing is, is understanding that you need to be consistent if you want to see this come to fruition. Yeah, I think that's a big, like a big principle where you, you take your goals and you just, you make it almost like your lifestyle to where mm-hmm. it's not just, this isn't just one thing that I want to complete and then I check it off and I try and move yes. on to something else. It's like, no, I'm, I am an Ironman or mm-hmm. I am an endurance athlete. And this is just what I do uh, yeah. on a daily basis. And it sounds like that's kind of the main thing that you're talking about there. So that, that's really, really cool to hear. Um, I'm just curious for now, you've been through this transformation. What, what advice would you have for somebody else who is maybe just like you were kind of when you mentioned at the beginning where you, you were like, you met that triathlete and you're like, oh, I think I want to do this, but they haven't actually signed up for anything yet, or they mm-hmm. haven't committed to it yet. They just have that initial spark or that initial idea. What advice would you give to somebody to you know, take those first steps and be successful? Well, I will say that um, having a community or having a, a mentor goes a long way. And not so much that you can, so that you can avoid those beginner mistakes, because I think those are important that everybody experiences le- learning and being a, a newer triathlete. I think that's important to have those. But I, I really have to say that um, having people in my life that I've met that have gone through what I'm trying to do has really helped me in understanding one, my why. So why do I really want to do this? Is it just like you said, to check a box or is it, is it deeper than that? And then two, um, helping that, that, that person helping you tap into uh, that level of awareness and motivation can help with getting you through anything, any gap in learning or gap in knowledge that you, you will have as a newer athlete. So that would be my first recommendation is to find a mentor or even a coach that can help you with navigating the newness of becoming a triathlete or, or a friend or someone that you feel comfortable uh, talking to, to get that perspective or that help um, so that you're not last out in the out in the deep end of the ocean as far as trying to figure this out because it is nuanced it's very um it's a challenge it's a very good challenge but if you don't know where to start it can be demoralizing and and being able to make the next step so I would say having a friend or a coach or mentor to help you figure out how to ride a bike or how to swim um what what nutrition looks like as well um Yeah. And, and then also having your why and, and, and having it be solid. So if you're just wanting to join in or do an Ironman because you want to lose weight, but that's, that, that will fall apart really quickly because it's just not a strong enough why. Um, if you want to uh, do a, a triathlon because you have those self-limiting beliefs and you, and you want to overcome them, now that's a, that's a really strong why. And that can help with you getting through those dark times. Um, that's what I mean by understanding and having the awareness of, of the why that you're pursuing this, this goal. Yeah, that's such great advice. You know, like join, join a community of people who are already doing what you want to do. Find a mentor, find a coach, find somebody who's been there, and then make sure that your why is clearly defined. Mm-hmm. I really feel like if you do those three things, you can really do anything that you set your mind to. Uh, so I think that that's, that. yeah, I think that's great, great advice. So, you know, as we're just kind of wrapping up here, are there any just last thoughts or words of encouragement that you want to provide to, to our listeners? I want to say for the, the newer athletes or anyone that's interested in, in Ironman or in triathlon, I would say start small. Like this doesn't have to happen overnight uh, as yes. you know. Um, yeah, I, I, it's taken me since 2018 now to, to get this, to figure this out. Right. And for me, I feel like that was even too fast. Like I would, I kind of hindsight's 2020. I kind of wish I would have drawn it out a little bit more, but there was a sense of urgency there. Um, and again, Ironman Alaska did present itself. So to me, I wouldn't take anything back, but um, I also like now I'm going to go back to the shorter distances because I want to get faster. I want to get a higher level of fitness 
and I want to get better at those distances before I consider doing a longer course triathlon. And I don't want my passion to burn out like I did with powerlifting. So taking it back to those smaller races, I think are going to be um, really helpful. And, and I'm looking, I'm really excited about it. So for those that are, that are looking and getting into this sport, I definitely say, try to learn one new thing, one thing a day, one new thing a day, whether it's a, a new nutrition tip or it's how to, how to put, change a tire on your bike, like <laughs> um, learning about the different lingo when it comes to triathlon workouts, what are threshold workouts, what are zone two workouts, things like that. If you can draw it down to some one simple task uh, each day, the level of knowledge and information and education you're going to gain from this uh, is over time is going to be massive. So just like they say, you can't, you know, eat an elephant in a day. You can just one bite at a time, right? Yeah. <laughs> I screwed that up, but not <laughs> eat an elephant one bite at a time. Same with triathlon, same with any new uh, adventure that you're that you're wanting to take on. Yeah. Well, I I love that because it's, you know, if you combine like what you talked about here of like starting small, joining the community with one of the lessons that you learned of being consistent and making it your lifestyle. When you combine those two things, you start small, you're learning one thing a day and you're consistent. Like if you just stick with it over a long enough period, there's no way that you're not going to be successful. So I just wanted to say thank you so much for, for sharing your story, for, you know, teaching us, sharing what you've learned along the way. It's, it's really, really inspiring. And I'm just grateful uh, for our conversation today and uh, just really appreciate it. Well, thank you, Mario. I, I appreciate the great questions you asked. You obviously wanted to know about my story. So thank you so much for taking the time to really dig in and, and um, give me that opportunity to share this experience because it was definitely one I will never forget. So I want to say thank you to you to being so keenly interested in my um, story and for putting it out there. And I hope that others can uh, learn and, and grow from, from my experience. 100%. You just got to, you know, start small, stick with it, be consistent <laughs> and, you know, make, make your goals, your lifestyle. And like I said, if you do those things, you're going to be successful. So thank you for sharing that. And we're going to wrap it up. All right. Thanks, Mario.